Oh my God, Adam. What's the matter? What's happening? Where am I? I'm getting really nervous. I'm getting some stage fright. Why? Well, don't you remember last week we talked about uh, doing a live uh, in front of people podcast on the internet, like with an audience and people? I think I was drunk for most of the last episode. I'm not sure. Well, I remember it and I'm kind of freaking out. Like, what if uh, I forget my lines or what if I forget who Wolverine is? Uh, improv, baby. We'll figure it out. I'm freaking out, Adam. I don't think I can do it. You know what I'm referring to, right? The the live podcast? The one... Yeah, yeah. I think I think I kind of recall what you're talking about. The, the thing where we're going to do the live video feed thing where people can tune in and the audience is actually going to be able to see us talking about a comic book for a little less than an hour. I, I think I just wet myself. I don't think I can do it, Adam. They're all going to laugh at me. They're all going to point at their screens and they're going to laugh at me and they're going to say, that guy doesn't know anything about the X-Men. No more than usual. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were supposed to give me advice like, just imagine them in your underwear. Just imagine you're in your underwear. <laughs> I usually do the podcast in my underwear. Oh my God, I'm going to have to wear clothes, aren't I? Oh no. <laughs> I didn't even think that. I have, I did, Adam, we can't do it. I can't. No, we're not doing a live episode for the 200th episode because I just can't handle it. I can't do it. I, 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 I'm sweating. I got cold sweats. What would Wolverine do? I would be the best at what he does. He'd probably say something about that, right? He'd, he'd say, I'm the best there is at what I do, and what I do is making a video podcast. So, Jeremy, you better man up and spit it out. I feel like you'd throw Futzer in there somewhere. Futzer. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'm going to do it, Adam. I'm going to do it for Wolverine. I'm not going to do it for you. I'm not going to do it for me, and I'm not going to do it for the audience, but I'm going to do it for Wolverine. All right. Now scoot, little guy. All right. And everybody that's listening to this right now, you scoot on over to Twitter and scoot on over to Facebook. And uh, we are going to have the details of where this episode is going to be published and where you can view it. It'll be on Google Plus and YouTube and everything. Uh, we'll work on the details and the dates, but we're looking at somewhere in the early September time frame. But uh, when we know, You'll know. You'll be the first person we'll tell. Well, no, I mean, like you. Well, listening now, we will tell each other first. Well, well, of course, but I mean, you out there, the listener, you'll be the first person we tell. Well, technically, the second person that we tell because we're going to tell each other first. Okay, so the <laughs> you, the listener, listening right now, you. I'm talking to you. Mm -hmm. We're going to tell you first thing. Yeah, the one listener. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> We're going to do an entire live streaming 200th episode for one person. Yes. All right. That, whoever you are, you ought to feel like super important. Okay, keys. <laughs> and with that, we return you to your regularly scheduled Danger Room podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room. The X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Kulan Gath. Uh, my, uh, my name is Manspider. And, we, <clears throat> and we're here to discuss the March 1985 issue of Uncanny X-Men, number 191, uh, on sale December 11th of 1984, cover price 60 cents. This one's titled Raiders of the Lost Temple. Ba -ba -da -ba, ba -ba -da. I can't wait. This better be better than Crystal Skulls. This title was very misleading. <laughs> um, yeah, there there are some raiders. I'll give it. I'll give it that. Is there a lost temple? Ah, uh, there is some lost catacombs. More importantly, does this evoke a sense of Indiana Jones at all? The issue or the title? The issue. The title obviously does. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, not at all. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's misleading. Yeah, okay. Uh, on the cover of this particular issue, you've got Vision punching right through Colossus with his little phasing power. And in the background, you got a ton of heroes and villains all kind of done in like a purple silhouette. It's kind of a cool cover. I like this one. And in the Marvel box, you've got four X-Men and four New Mutants. That's true. Very true. That's all I got to say about this cover. I hate this cover. Do you? Uh, I don't hate it. I, I, I like the background. 
but I hate uh, hate a strong word. I really don't like this image of Vision and Colossus. I think it's very poor. Oh, I I mean, I think it's well drawn. Are you? I don't. Oh, really? Okay. I can see how, uh, like, one critique could be that, you know, you, you see this cover and you're almost expecting the entire issue to be a slugfest between Vision and Colossus, when in reality it's nothing like that. No, it's not that. It's just, I think it might be the color scheme. I don't know. No, that could be. Purple, green, red, bluish. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't know. I just don't like it. I, I, this, I look at this cover and I just... I don't like the drawing. I think I think it's a it's not a good sample of John Romita Jr.'s style. Um, it just looks like a the background's all right, but the rest of it, the foreground is just it just seems slapped together. Okay, fair enough. I think maybe I like it just for the sense of nostalgia because <clears throat> excuse me, this is one of the issues that I had in my original collection, and thusly I read this issue uh, many many times. Maybe it's just me. And my particular weirdo aesthetic. <laughs> but if I saw this issue on the shelf in a, like if I was at the gas station or where the, or the spindle, the comic spindle, I would be like, meh, <laughs> meh. I don't need to read X-Men this month. Well, fair enough. Well, let's open this uh, up. We see it's written by Chris Claremont. It's uh, drawn by John Romita Jr. and Dan Green. Tom Morzakowski is the letterer. Glennis Ween is the colorist. And Asante's editing, and Heem Shuter is the editor-in-chief, or Heef. Chief. Chief. I like that better. And Kulan Goth has got all of his warped heroes at his side, and he is mocking the man-spider who is splayed out uh, in a full-page spread. Yes, and, and this is, uh, he is currently chained, and he is... Uh, Held aloft, not touching any walls or anything. <laughs> yeah, and uh, is that later, a, is that an important like, detail, Adam? No, it's not. It's just later he will be uh, put in a different position. Yeah. Well, Kulan Gath does not care for the man spider at all. He loves to torture him. That's right. And so he's like, "Yeah, you're gonna rue the day you crossed Kulan Gath." So let's talk about what's been happening. And so Kulan Gath kind of. With some narration assistance gives us, uh, you know, everything that we covered last episode. Flashback, everybody. Yep. A page flashback. (laughs) Flashback. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, Kulan Goss like, hey, I got these new mutants and Morlocks and uh, they serve me. What are you, what are you going to do about it? You're just chained up there like a, like a dumb man spider. Spider-Man, get the name right, will you? Sheesh. Spider-Man is thinking to himself, uh, well, even if I got down out of this predicament, nobody would understand me because I'm speaking English and they're all speaking something else. So what I am saying sounds like gibberish. This sucks. Spider-Man is, um, I don't think Chris Claremont writes the witty banter of of Spider-Man very well. No, there's only a handful of folks that write Spider-Man well. Um, My Spider-Man doesn't say sheesh. <laughs> I don't think this is like a like a terribly written Spider-Man. It just it's just a Spider-Man that you know is written by somebody who doesn't typically write Spider-Man, right? But uh, Kulan Goth uh, talks about his master's spell and how it's spreading across the face, or it will spread across the face of the world as soon as he gets enough power. And uh, the way he gets his power is by blood, hot, fresh essence of innocence. And heroes. So he's draining everybody, taking that blood, converting it into power, and attempting to expand his master spell. His thumbnail expands menacingly. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think he's... Who do you think is yarging here? Is the Spider-Man? Yeah. Okay. Spider-Man. So maybe uh, Kulangath is drawing some spider blood to continue his power. Power. I really like this drawing of Kulangath with his extended nail. There's a lot of detail, a lot of a lot of uh, wrinkles and warts and and stuff on his face. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it as well. Uh, meanwhile, he Cool uh, and Goth's gotten done torturing Spider-Man, so he goes to pay a visit over to Celine, and we see in the foreground a uh, statueified Stephen Strange. I didn't notice that before, but yeah, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> How can you not? He's like right there. 
Well, I noticed it this time uh, before you said it, but like as I was reading this the first time, I must have glazed over that. That's funny. It is. It is very uh, prominent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is blue and black because it's it's shadow, but it's like half the panel. Adam, were you just reading the words and zooming past the pictures? I do that sometimes. Comic books are a multi-medium format. Sometimes when you're in a hurry, you just kind of zoom through it. I don't know. I, there there are times when I read comic books in five minutes, and then I just feel bad. I don't think Robert Kirkman would approve of that. He's always the guy that's like, you got to slow down and look at the pictures and see the story that the artist is telling in addition to the story that the writer is telling. And I agree to an extent. However, uh, I think the best way for me personally is to read through it once with just the words to get the story down and then go through it slowly where you actually look at the art. Hmm. And I don't do that often enough. But when I do it, I think that's how I get the most bang from my comic buck. Got it. And comic books are not cheap these days. No, they are not. Anyways, uh, yeah, so Kulan Goth, he's like, uh, I don't really like you, Celine, and I can't have you casting spells. So I'm going to take your mouth away and turn your arms into tentacles so that you can't make any uh, sigils. And uh, apparently he's into freaky stuff, because then he goes on to say, Thou art what suits thee best, a creature of wanton flesh who exists solely to bring me pleasure. So Kulangoth likes mouthless women with tentacles in bikinis. How can she, can she not make a tentacle with the, or a, a sigil with a tentacle? I don't know. Don't sigils require, like, specific hand gestures and finger placement? You got me. <laughs> I'm guessing that these are just, like, kind of... Uh, uh, wild flailing tentacles that well let's put it this way adam let's say you are a master magician and you have absolute control over the spells you cast and the sigils that you draw in the air and then your arms turn into tentacles you can't just immediately learn how to use those tentacles to draw those same sigils okay fair enough she went from two hands to like 19 tentacles she's like which one am i moving ah that is a valid point meanwhile you got cool on goth being like i like your wanton flesh you pleasure me and she's all like, ugh, gross, get away from me. I don't know that she's going, I mean, she's not going to give him pleasure. <laughs> I don't know. You never know what Kulangoth is into. I mean, maybe just the act of warping her makes him, like, warping her wanton flesh is what brings him pleasure. I think it's kind of like a double entendre. I think you are, uh, I think it could be explained away that way, but it could also be explained away the dirty way. Either but way. The dirty, the dirty way, he, he only, I mean, Celine's pretty powerful she she wouldn't she would she would resist but maybe he enjoys that yeah not with tentacle hands and uh well anyways yeah so uh morlocks come up and they're like uh hey man what you need we serve you and he's like uh you don't serve me well enough so i'm gonna turn you into rocks yeah he's he's really mad that uh the rebels have not been caught yet remember last issue you failed yep so he calls xavier he's like yo Xavier Caliban, where are they? And Xavier Caliban is meditating and says, I can't find them. <laughs> Everything hurts on me. <laughs> Do you see me? It hurts. Uh, Sunder uh, has been, well, it was Sunder and Moonstar that were turned into rock, but uh, Kulan Goth brought him back from the rack for, format uh, form because I guess he's a good guy. Uh, and Sunder's like, hey, there's, I know there's a place in the Morlock catacombs that are blind, uh, that's blind to your powers. That's probably where they are. Right. And another excellent panel of uh, Kulan Goth, kind of a close up of his face. Um, he 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 says, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna leave you guys as stone. But you've been warned. Don't fail me again, or you will permanently be turned into this stuff. Mm-hmm. So. We flip our attention over to what once was the New York Public Library, which I guess are the catacombs. That they're Who are to. these guys holding up pillars? Is that an actual New York Public Library thing? I've never been to the New York Public Library, but what I'm guessing is that the public library has been transformed into its ancient equivalent. Oh, uh, okay. Is the New York the Public Library the one in Ghostbusters with the lions? I don't know. Maybe. Probably. It's definitely the one that was featured in uh, the Ice Age movie. Remember that movie? I never saw Ice Age. Well, not the animated Ice Age movie, but the, the disaster movie about pollution and global 
warming and then ultimately everything freezes. Was it called Ice Age or mm-hmm. are you talking about like World of Tomorrow or, or World? No, what is it? I don't remember. The Day After Tomorrow. I think it might have been called The Day After Tomorrow. I saw that in two parts. Did you? Did yes. you? That's the one I think they went to the New York Public Library and they burned a bunch of tax books to keep warm as the uh, ice freeze came along. That was the first part and I think that was not the exciting part. Oh, I don't remember it other than that scene. So anyways, yeah, they're uh, they're walking around. You've got Captain America and Colossus and Star Fox, Rogue, and a bunch of Storms there. Callisto's there. I think Ileana's there. And uh, apparently uh, Wasp has been um, doing some reconnaissance, and she flies back, and she's like, Star Fox, everything's terrible. They're all dead. So they've been coming to the library to search out priestesses who might have some sort of sorcery that they can use against Kulan Goth, but it turns out that all the priestesses are dead. Mm-hmm. So this is not the catacombs. They left the catacombs to come here to find a priestess, and they'll probably head back to the catacombs. But on this run, as they're looking for one of these priestesses, somebody attacks, and Captain America is able to deflect the arrow, saving Storm's life. Nightcrawler teleports over to the offender, and it's a, it's a red-haired woman in a green dress named Aralyn. Does she ever appear again? Uh, let's, uh, let's save that for later. We can discuss i don't think so but we'll talk about it later um is this the lost temple <laughs> could be these <laughs> these guys could be raiders and this could be the lost temple although they i mean they knew where it was so technically it wasn't lost it'd be like raiders of a temple and they do refer to it as a gutted ruin so i don't know if it's a temple or not what was the nicholas cage indiana jones movie uh the the five dollar bill movie yeah that one <laughs> um i i never saw any of those I didn't either. Okay. But I feel like this this is more representational of that Dead. than than an actual Indiana Jones movie. Of course, those weren't out yet. True, true. National Treasure or something National like that. National Treasure. So maybe maybe the writers of National Treasure read this issue and they're like, oh, Nicolas Cage and $5 bills. We got something. <laughs> this issue should have been called Raiders of the National Treasure Room. Yes. Uh, so this woman comes out and I guess she knows Callisto. She knows of Callisto. And so she assumes that because these guys are hanging out with Callisto, that she, that they are the ones that butchered the priestesses mm-hmm. and they're like, no, it wasn't us. And she's like, yeah, it was. And then they get attacked. Yeah, before anything can happen, uh, Scarlet Witch jumps out. She's working for Kulan Gath, and she's like, I'm going to get you in the name of Kulan Gath. And she entangles Colossus in a spell. Ilyana uh, armors up, or maybe she's always wearing her armor in this universe, and she notes that the Scarlet Witch has imprisoned her brother in the Crimson Bands of Sidorak. Remember those? I do. That's that's a juggernaut thing. Or a Doctor Strange thing, depending on what you're more familiar with. Yeah, so much Sidorak, so little time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so she uh, slices at Colossus, and her sword doesn't do any physical damage, but what it's able to do is dispel any sorcery. So uh, Scarlet Witch's spell is undone. Callisto springs into action, grabbing her knife. Fall back to the catacombs, she screams. Not the temple, but the catacombs. And that's when Vision bursts through the floor, and Colossus thinks to himself that he's the only one who can take on Vision because they're sort of equals, I guess, as far as the people in this room go. In this world, or this reality, Vision is not a robot. He's a metal and stone golem. Oh, really? Yeah, it's explained it's somewhere. Oh, okay. it, he, uh, The Vision is inanimate, there's uh, animate earth and stone. I guess he's not metal. Er, animate earth and stone, impervious to harm, is my own living steel, blah, blah, blah. And later on, he'll refer to him as a golem. So, I don't know. And, and Rogue is apparently made of crystal. For a little bit, yeah. And she's like a she's like a circus person here. She's like, Yowza, 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 come one, come all. Take your best shot, sucker. They're nothing to me. They're nothing to me. Nothing. Come see the nothing. freak show. And uh one of the Morlock guys, I think, is like, Yeah, she's got crystal skin. Cannonball, do your thing. Yes, and uh apparently his name is Greybeard. Yeah. His cannonball comes by and punches Rogue, knocking her down, and says, My pleasure, gray beard. And I'm confused here because one of the guys, oh, I see what happens. One of the bad guys comes along and says, I have the wench. Let's say it's Greybeard. Okay, sure. I don't think it is, though. I don't think it is either, but we never see Greybeard again, so what difference does it make? How about we call him Greenbeard since he's got like a green face? Well, he, I think he's got a green face because he, well, 
This, so yeah, this whole thing confused me because Storm is, or I'm sorry, Rogue is wearing, uh, she's clad, head to toe in clothes. It's possible that Cannonball punched her in the face, but it doesn't look like it. But what happens here is that whoever grabs her, we'll call him Greybeard if you'd like. Well, he, he says my body is turning to Crist and then he freezes, which I believe is why he's green. Right. But Storm then says, no, I've absorbed his humanity. Rogue. Oh, yeah. Rogue says, I've absorbed his humanity. My gene, my gem forms become in flesh and blood. So I don't know what happened here, but like Greybeard absorbed Rogue's gem form and she absorbed his flesh form. But there was no skin to skin contact. In fact, it looks like he's wearing gloves and she's wearing, you know, a black uh, spandex shirt. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he has a hole in his glove and she has a hole in her shirt. So anyways, very confusing. But what it leads up to is that another dude, we'll call him Hornhead, he, <laughs> he comes up behind Rogue now that she's in a flesh form. He's also Greybeard. <laughs> sure. And uh, stabs Rogue in the back, which kills her instantly. Yes. And it was at this point that I was thinking, this is all going to get reversed, isn't it? <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> Well, you know, you never know because, like, occasionally the, the you have these events where things happen and they matter. Right. And you can kind of tell. Um, so you're reading this going like, oh, th- none of this matters. Exactly. I could skip all of this. Except- yeah. Be, and, and, and mainly because of the way that it happened. Like, there was no, I can't think of a better word than gravitas to Rogue's death. Well, build up or sentimental or. Yes. Just kind of happens. But, you know. So now, I, I don't think I've decided that this doesn't matter yet, but I'm like thinking to myself, mm, I'm mm-hmm. going to keep my eyes open because this probably doesn't matter. Okay. So anyways, yeah. And if you're reading it really quickly, you may not even realize that Rogue is dead. You might just be like, oh, she's out for the count. And and that's true of uh, everybody that dies. Spoilers <laughs> in this issue. Spoilers. Well, anyways, um, Storm's paying attention, and she sees Rogue die, and so she goes crazy. And she's mm-hmm. she's hacking away at these gray beards, slicing their throats, cutting them Captain with their sword. Captain America says she's gone berserk. Yeah. The girl's death has driven her mad. But she's given us an opening, so... Rachel, use your mind blasts to get us outside. And uh, as soon as she does, Ileana, you cast a cloaking spell, and uh, we're out of here. So that that all happens. Rogue or Storm, rather. Uh, meanwhile, is just like hacking and slicing and cutting, and that's when Warlock shows up and he's like, "Whoa, my friend Aurora! I've never seen her like that. I should probably help her." Now, have they ever met? Because that was confusing. I don't read New Mutants as regularly as you. I mean, one could assume that you know they're both kind of hanging around the mansion. Although, hasn't Warlock only just shown up? Yeah, but presumably they would, if he knows of her, and Aurora keeps up to date with the files. <laughs> right, which she she would, because she's the leader. She should at least know about Warlock. Maybe with all that's happened, Forge, her powers and everything, she's like, she's got like one little box of files on her desk at the mansion that she's been meaning to get to, but then she was going to go to Africa, and now this whole Kulan Goth thing. Maybe maybe uh, Warlock knows of Aurora, but Aurora is like, I don't know, who are you? He speaks with her of uh, he, when he speaks of her. He seems to have a, a, a familiarity. It's it's strange, right? She ever seemed the gentlest of creatures, indicating like, hey, I've been on a nature hike with this girl. <laughs> right? Yeah, she's cool, and now she's crazy. Uh, so. I, I get the confusion. And and it, there's really no excuse for it because Chris Claremont writes both books. That's true. So if anybody knows if they have a relationship, it'd be him. So uh, Warlock, she stays behind to help everybody leave. And Warlock sees that if she does stay behind, she's going to die. And he rescues her by flying in, grabbing her, and flying off. Yeah. Unfortunately, Rain grabs Warlock's legs. And as Warlock is flying away, we're also learning here that Warlock is speaking English while everybody else uh, is speaking whatever the native tongue is. So whenever Warlock speaks, Storm doesn't know what it is. Warlock realizes this and is like, oh, man, she, she doesn't understand what I'm saying. And the jet propulsion that I used to get us out of there is burning rain. So she's let go. So now she thinks I hurt rain. Uh, how am I going to describe this? Well, he doesn't just hurt rain. Rain 
falls and dies. Uh, well, no, she doesn't. She she falls and um, she gets hurt really bad. Yeah, she, it would have been to her death, but we'll see what happens. Right, right, right. Uh, so meanwhile, the rebels here they uh, they escape. They're escaping, uh, and Callisto now confronts the archivist, the red haired girl. Um, can't remember her name now, but she doesn't speak. Erilyn. Um, Erilyn, yeah, and she's she has like nothing to say. She's like, hey, uh, you probably believe us now that we're rebels and not the killers. So Nightcrawler points out that uh, Rogue is dead, probably Aurora's dead, Star Fox and Wasp are captured. Uh, Ileana's like, some help you were, Amara. And she's and, like, oh, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't help. I was too scared. So she snuggles up into Colossus's arms and Colossus is like, see what you have done, sister. You are not good with words. Do not weep, little princess. We will keep you safe. As Airy Lynn just looks on. <laughs> yeah. She's kind of become a non-character at this point. Uh, and then, yeah, so Captain America's like, Liana speaks like she knows this girl and expected better of her. Amara's soul bound to the sorceress Selene, as is young Rachel. Could that have something to do with this? I mean, we did just talk about it last issue. But I forgot. Yeah, there was that whole little thing where, like, the the two girls were kind of uh, consorting with each other about how they were still going to follow Celine. Right. And well, and everybody was like, oh, they're still kind of bound to Celine, so can we trust them? So, so none that of this appears to still be happening. None of this should be a surprise to anybody. But, anyways, the uh, the bad guys here now, Sunder and Moonstar, etc., they're like, what's going on uh, Moon- so i got a question jeremy when did cannonball die uh well let's see sam cannonball slain my darling rain dying well rain didn't die in the fall she's just dying i i, I agree okay Can- cannonball died cannonball died off panel yeah well i went back and looked he did yeah <laughs> i was trying to come up with why he would have died but there's no reason for him to have died Me- no i got nothing and now I'm definitely saying, okay, this this totally doesn't matter. You have a main hero die off panel. Yeah, we're just whipping through death at this point. Uh, yep, Rain is dying, um, and they have their hostages. They've got Star Fox and Wasp. So Moonstar is all, she's just mad. She's going to have her revenge. So she's like, you did this to Rain, so I'm going to show you your worst fear. And Star Fox's worst fear is becoming like his mad brother Thanos. Which, now, before you carry on, makes total sense. We probably have backstory to back that up, but... And Wasp's fear is of becoming a wasp. Do do you really think that that's Wasp's fear? No, that is stupid. (laughs) Like, yeah. I'm maybe because of her power set, she's considered that once in a while, and maybe she went, ew... But I sincerely doubt she lives in fear of that. Right. Although it, it, it makes no sense. Whatever. It's yeah. It's it's too obvious. But I'm glad he didn't go for the cliche of like Janet Van Dyne being at the mall and her credit card being declined as her biggest fear. Oh, that would have been that would have been even worse. <laughs> it would have been, well, it would have been funny, but it would have been worse. Yes. Uh, but but either way, I don't think that that's what she's afraid of. You know, if this were like the real world, that's probably what he would have gone with. But since this is the alternate world, they don't have malls and credit cards. Good point. Good point. So Kulan Goth shows up and he's like, stop it. We need these prisoners. So stop screwing around with them. Uh, I, by the way, I'm fixing your werewolf. She's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rain's okay. And now Cannonball, Star Fox and... Cannonball's yeah. still dead. <laughs> Cannonball's still dead because I guess he doesn't matter as much. No, even no. though he's right there yeah. in in Sunder's arms. But no, we'll, I guess he can't restore Cannonball because he's dead. But since Rain is only dying, he can bring her back to health. So doesn't have power over dead. Yeah, that's fine. Kulan Goth casts another spell and he turns Eros into a um, I don't know a, a charming, handsome man that no no living being can resist. Uh, and turns Wasp into, like, a demon bat. Yes, who drinks souls to make him strong. To make to make Goth strong, right? Right. Yeah, so that's, you guys have done well. Uh, but now we got to find all of Selene's rebels. So let's keep looking, everybody. So meanwhile, uh, Warlock is on the some sort of rooftop with Storm, and he's trying to uh, get her to remember who he is. 
which is interesting because, as I said before, we don't really know whether or not the, the impression that we were given last issue was that everybody, every relationship that a person has in the prior world, they retain. Right. So Storm does not remember warlocks. So I guess they never met. Well, it just makes it kind of creepy that Warlock knows a lot so much about Storm. He could also be affected by whatever's affecting Spider-Man, right? Because nobody knows who Spider-Man is. You think that's... Oh, okay. So that's that's interesting. I don't know, because he's a techno-organic robot. Maybe the master spell had no um, effect on him, and because it didn't affect him, it doesn't affect anybody else. Maybe? That's smart. <laughs> I, I like that. I wish there was something to explain it, but um, no, that, that's that's good. So that that's very perceptive. Thanks, man. Uh, I have a lot of time to think about these things. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's but but I mean you're still right. Uh, uh, well, I don't I don't know. To to us the reader, we've never seen these two interact. So it, Warlock spending all this time trying to get her to remember is kind of weird. Yeah. But eventually, Warlock displays pictures on his little his little ball screens that he projects out of his head. And she also sees a, a set of eyes behind his head, and oh. she says in English, "Mother." Yes. Well, and that's important. Um, so, she, so uh, Warlock is showing classic Storm and New Storm, and I guess I didn't understand what those eyes were until you just said what you said. I just thought she might have been seeing her mother in the pictures of herself, but those eyes being her mother makes way more sense. And yes, so she calls out mother, and then Storm thinks to herself back in the normal language, ah, I spoke in that demon's gibberish, and I understood it. What's going on? They feel like memories, the people that he showed me, but I can't tell, but I think they are. Has he Has he used his demon magic on me? Ooh. I see another city. Covering like covering this city like a ghost. Something's going on. Oh, you know, I think I skipped over this panel. Oh, really? Yeah, because this is a uh, this is a this is a telling panel. Yeah. So she is seeing New York skyline projected over the top of what she actually perceives as reality. Hmm. And then she's like, "Oh man, that's cool. I think everything's a lie. Even I'm a lie." So we flash back to or over to the rebels who are, I think, now in the catacombs, the hidden catacombs. Got a fire going. They're kind of so, debriefing. It, yeah, Ari Lynn has heard of Kulan Goth, and she tells them his sort of backstory, um, which doesn't really matter. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> and uh, for his backstory, reads old issues of Spider Man. <laughs> yes, and so Nightcrawler's like. Ah, uh, why doesn't he just find us and just use his powers and kill us? He could turn us to ashes with the gesture. Captain America explains that he's got limits. Our continued freedom is proof of that. He can't, and we're not without magical resources ourselves. Ilyana, we got her. And then once we free Celine, we're going to have her. So we got this, you guys. We got this. <laughs> Meanwhile, Adam, at a temple, it might not be hidden, but it's a temple. Oh, okay. That's... So it's 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 okay. Are they raiding it? Uh no. Captain America and Colossus are dressed up like the bad guys, I guess. No. No? They put on helmets. Well, yeah, I know. And they're but... wearing, they have staffs. I don't I don't know how that makes them dressed up like the bad guys, but it doesn't matter. Well, they, cuz they come up cuz this is their they're dressed up like the guards. I'm not even sure why they bothered with this. I don't either, because the next panel is uh, basically Rachel doing the Jedi mind trick by saying, these are not the droids you're looking for. Let us pass. And so they do. You don't. You you will take Republic credits. Yeah, we will take Republic credits. No, you're supposed to say, "Eh, I'm a Tardarian. That Jedi mind tricks that don't work on us. (laughs) That's about accurate, isn't it? Close enough. (laughs) That movie's so stupid. (laughs) So, so they're uh, using Jedi mind tricks. They are able to, or I, I suppose tele, tele, telepathy. They are able to sneak past the guards, who in the next panel are jumped and killed by Eros and the Wasp. It's kind of strange. If they 
if Eros and the Wasps saw the heroes go by, why didn't they stop them? Especially because Wasp just jumps on these two guards and devours their essence, turning them into dust. Like, why wouldn't she just do that to these rebels? It is his hope your comrades will profit from this example. Nom, 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 nom. Don't ever be fooled by telepaths. <laughs> no! So the archivist here, Erilyn, she's taken uh, Callisto, Nightcrawler, and Ileana down the path, and she's like, all right, this will take us directly beneath Kulan Goth's palace. All right, so other than telling them Kulan Goth's backstory, she also knows the catacombs almost as well as Callisto. Much to why, Callisto's chagrin. Why isn't Callisto leading the way? <laughs> well, she does actually say think that to herself. She's like, oh... This girl's got courage, and I like her. She knows our caverns, but she's a human. How could she know our caverns? If she knows this as well as I do, then uh, she must be destroyed. Well, those thoughts are cut off when they get attacked by Sunder and the New Mutants. But I don't know why Callisto's not leading the way. Maybe. Well, I think I, my guess my guess is that Chris Claremont wants Erilyn to do stuff in this issue. Yes. Well, I, mean, I feel yeah. like Erilyn is being set up to be a character. All right. Well, She's got we'll, red hair and a green dress. Come we'll, on. That's, that's, like, that's like such a Claremont thing. We'll speculate on that at the end. So, uh, so yeah, they, they barge in. Nightcrawler springs into action. Grab Sunspot and he's like, you, you get your power from the sun. We're underground, so I'm going to teleport you all over the place, which is going to drain a whole bunch of your power and leave you as a human. Boom, done. That's that's cool. Go Nightcrawler. Yeah, the most effective use of Nightcrawler in a long time. I didn't know that Nightcrawler could do that to Sunspot. Yeah, well, I think it's just the strain of maybe Sunspot trying to maintain his Sunspottiness while Nightcrawler's teleporting all over the place. Yeah, it's cool. I like so, it. Yeah. It's good. Rain, she's back. She's all healthy. She got she got healed, so she attacks Ilyana. Keep preventing Ilyana from uh, striking with her blade, so... You know, if if Liana's blade will turn all of the anybody she strikes back to normal people, mm-hmm. so they won't be under Kulangath's spell anymore. But instead, Rain is holding her arm and not allowing her to strike. And I guess she's breaking her other arm. Yep. Which uh, all of that that I just said is what Ileana is thinking. Moonstar casts a fear power against Callisto, which is uh, Callisto's fear is becoming the woman she once was and of having a life that may have been in which I guess Callisto was a very pretty woman. I guess so. It, it's she says it's the the spirit forms are of what she fears and hates most. So maybe maybe she hates this the most. Maybe the, she doesn't necessarily fear it. Oh, okay. Well, that. Well, what she fears and hates the most, so a little bit of both. Uh, the woman she once was and the life that might have been. And this is interesting because, uh, I mean, this gets revisited, but not for a really long time. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't even catch it until this go-around or this this read-around. Um, but anyways, yeah, so she's like, no, I don't want to see that. I'm really mad at you. Ari Lynn throws some green cape that she acquired over the head of Rain, um, which allows Ilyana to get free. Ilyana strikes Rain, and then Moonstar, uh, that releases Callisto from the uh, mind spell that she was under from Moonstar, Danny Moonstar, and she kills Sunder, and then thinks to herself, man, whoops, yeah. I, I, I totally just reacted to being held down by Sunder and just having the chance to get free, and, and now I killed him, and uh, Ilyana could have saved him. Rats. Yeah, not only does she kill him, but, I mean, she, like, slices his throat just savagely. Uh, yeah, she's mad at this, though. She's like, you will be avenged by me who killed you. Does that mean I have oh, to kill know. myself? No, she's got to kill Moonstar. It's really Moonstar's fault. No. <laughs> All right, so meanwhile, Spider-Man has been moved to the throne room. He is got, like, some energy spikes. Um, I don't know. What do you call this uh, when you're hung up on a cross like this? Well, it's not a cross because no. it's, it's more of a T. He, like, the, the back of the cross does not go above. But, yeah, they're, they're like the spikes he's that been, were. He's been crucified. Yes, he's been crucified. And uh, he's just sitting there. He's just not having a good day. His costume's all ripped up. He's got he's got some blood on him. His mask is almost off. And uh, so that's when Colossus, um, Amara, and Rachel, and Captain America burst in. And they see Spider-Man. And they're like, oh, man, that guy looks like he's having a rough day. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America says, you go help him, and uh, we'll try to find Celine. And uh, Captain America's like, huh, 
Seems like it's going really easy. I don't like this. Scarlet Witch, Vision, Eros, and Wasp burst in at that point. Why didn't Kulan Goth change Scarlet Witch and Vision? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Because he didn't fail them like Wasp and Eros did? I guess maybe because they were always on his side. I guess. Yeah, is- yeah, yeah. Because... Yeah, because uh, uh, Star Fox and Wasps are, are hostages that, that were just transformed into bad guys. Yeah, but that totally goes against, I mean, Scarlet Witch and Vision are heroes. I'm with you, man. I don't know why half of these good guys are actually bad guys. There's probably a logical reason, and you'll you'll remember after the podcast. <laughs> that one I didn't sit around and think about. It was the other one. Okay. So now Vision and uh, Colossus kind of go into the same attack pose that they have on the cover of this comic book. Vision calls Colossus a mutant, which is interesting. Wasp sneaks up on Colossus and starts draining his life through his steel skin. She gets belted on the back of the head by Captain America's shield. But uh, Captain America's shield, which usually returns to Captain America, is pulled towards Kulan Goth, who's like, huh, this is a neat little toy. And then we never see the shield again. Vision is able to reduce his density to the point where he can push himself through Colossus. I mean, that's just Vision's power. Uh, But the reaction to that is they both explode. Yeah, he solidifies himself once he's through Colossus. And the strain uh, caused by this action to both of them, they both explode. Yeah, so they're, they're gone. They're dead. Captain America's hit by a whole bunch of shrapnel. Normally, he'd have his shield, but uh, he doesn't, and his little chainmail shirt doesn't provide all that much protection. So, he's uh, he's alive, but he's not doing much. So, at this point, I'm like 99% <laughs> sure this issue doesn't matter. 99.9. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man's like, oh, man, my friends are out there. I can't just stand by or hang by, as the case may be. <laughs> I'm they don't remember me, but I remember them. Yeah. Can't watch them get massacred. Um, Callisto, Ilana, Erilyn, and Nightcrawler, they appear on the scene, but uh, it doesn't matter. Scarlet Witch comes out and she just turns them into stone. Uses her spell to turn them to living statues. So, I mean, it's very anticlimactic because here they've been like kicking ass and killing and cutting. And uh, Scarlet Witch is just like, nope, done. Spider-Man uses all his remaining strength to uh, break... Well, he pulls he, his his wrists are the the spikes go through his wrist all the way through to the other side of the wood, um, in crucifixion style, and he pulls his arms forward enough to smash the cross, and he falls to the ground and tries to warn everybody. Hey, everybody! The the his power, uh, Kulan Goth's power, it's in his amulet. Just just get the amulet off of him, and we can win. But of course, nobody understands him because he's speaking English and Kulan Goth kills uh, Spider-Man. I, I'd like, I've always liked this sequence of Spider-Man like mustering up all of his strength to make the ultimate sacrifice and get down and busting off the cross. And then as uh, Kulan Goth does, I guess, kill him, uh, just like the, the spit that's launched out of his nose and the surprise. I just like how it's drawn, the whole thing's drawn. I, I agree. Especially the cross-bursting scene. It's well done. It's cool. Uh, but yeah, he just kind of dies anticlimactically because at the beginning of the two-parter, you're like, okay, well, Spider-Man's got to have a major arc on this because he's not affected by what's going on and he's speaking English and then he gets captured and you're like, okay. And then you get to this point and you're like, all right, well, he's the twist. He's going to he's gonna save everybody. But no, he just dies. Yes. Um, so that yeah. leaves it basically up to Storm and Warlock, who they... I'm, I'm at 100%. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So you know. This doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, how do you come back from this? So uh, Warlock and Storm... Warlock has been working on translating what Storm is saying, so now he knows a little bit of whatever language it is that she's speaking. So they're able to communicate a little bit. Also, he overheard, because they're directly above the throne room where all this fighting is happening somehow. Um, He overheard Spider-Man talking about the amulet, and he speaks English, so he's able to communicate in Storm's language that, as you said, he now kind of understands all about the necklace, and she's like, or the amulet, rather, and she's like, well, uh, yeah, why not? I mean, we got nothing left to lose. All right, let's do it. 
And she says, well, I don't have my wind riding powers anymore. So how am I going to reach him? And he turned, uh, Warlock turns into wings for her. Like a, like a, like a robotic jetpack or hang glider. Which is pretty cool. I like this panel where she's zooming down on him. Yep. She zooms down with like uh warlock bat wings type thing. Yeah. Down towards Kulan Goth, uh, and is able to swipe the amulet away as Warlock enshrouds him with his body. And then something snatches the necklace away using telekinesis. It's Amara, who has apparently developed a new telekinetic power and really wants this amulet because it's her destiny. And I'll tell you, Jeremy, I did not see this twist coming. You know, I I didn't either, and I've read this issue multiple times, and I think this time was like, because I never read the issue prior to this, so... It all actually makes a lot more sense now because uh, Celine, who was tentacled and has no mouth, bursts in fire and has kind of a very similar magma-like power signature. Yeah. And magma's face or Amara's face pops off of Celine's face and Celine had transferred their bodies just like she had done, what, two issues ago? Two issues ago. Yeah. And she's like, it was me all along. Did you think that I was so stupid to be falling for what you did to me, Kulan Goth? Now I've got the amulet and the power. Rachel's like, I knew, but I couldn't tell. I'm still trying to resist, but I can't. So do you think Chris Claremont knew, though? It's like last issue. I Amaro think so. Was, Amaro, who was Celine, was saying a lot of Celine-type stuff. Yeah. So was she still being controlled? I mean, it can all be explained by something. But, yeah, I feel like Chris Claremont may not have known yet. I don't know. I mean, do. obviously. Or maybe he just didn't care. He may not have cared. Because um, he didn't, like, if, if, if I, feel, I guess I say this because if he knew that um, Celine was actually Amara, he would have written the dialogue in such a way that would have worked for both Celine and Amara and not just for Celine. Yeah, I don't know. Because I'm looking back and there's Celine doing Celine talk and Amara doing Amara talk. So somewhere off panel, and I don't know exactly know where they, they switched. Or but after Kulan Goth has captured Celine, it would be presumed that at that point she is Amara. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's the only th- assumption that makes any sense. So. Meanwhile, uh, Warlock is dying, uh, and he's like, look, there's only one way to do this, uh, Storm. What I need to do is touch you and infect you with the techno-organic virus. You're basically going to become me, and then you'll have the power to take on Selene, and then we can end this however the transfer is permanent, and you will always look like me, and I will die. And she's like, oh, all right. I don't think she becomes him, though. You know, I or, think, do you think I think she just becomes a another techno organic being because so, he says make you a being like self. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. She becomes like Warlock, but she's no longer human. It's not like Douglock. Douglock? What? Never mind. <laughs> and so uh, she he does that to transfers his powers or his whatever infects her with the techno organic virus. She is now Lady Warlock. Storm, and uh, she then immediately transfers the techno-organic virus over to Selene. She turns into a robot version of Selene. Well, she, rather than transferring the, uh, she doesn't, she does it in a different way. Because we've seen Warlock, we've seen a little bit of Warlock's power set, and he can steal the essence of life, uh, life forms and kind of devour them. And I guess we're also learning that he can also pass on his uh, life essence, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure about his powers yet but yeah so uh the point is that Celine is no longer alive i guess or she's inert yeah they say her she's inert but i think she's dead as she absorbs the energy the life glow from her foe rendering Celine t- totally inert the slaver spell perished with kulan goth with Celine in virtually the same state her enchantments are likewise broken and this allows iliana to free and restore dr strange Whew. How convenient. Dr. Strange. Hey, everybody. I'm Benedict Cumberbatch. And uh, he's like, this is, uh, I have an idea. I can't do it by myself. I'm going to need Ileana's assistance, but I think we can go back in time. To which I say, how's that going to help anything? Well, we're going to find out, Adam, because they're like. I mean, did. All right, go ahead. Well, I mean, because they even say like. 
we're going to do this, but we don't know like what the outcome is going to be. Like it's not going to have happened, but something else is going to happen in its place. But how does he know it's not going to have happened? I don't know because he's magic. That it, there is nothing here that says if we go back in time, we'll somehow prevent this thing from ever happening. He says there may be an alternative, although its own way, the consequences could be devastating. So he says it may. So in those words, this whole thing could just happen all over again. And they could just be stuck in this time loop where they just keep doing the same thing, uh, Groundhog Day style. That would have been an interesting story. <laughs> We've, yeah, yeah. That would have been. Um, so anyways, they, yeah, so they do it. They cast the spell. They end up back at Stephen Strange's uh, Sanctum Sanctorum. And they're like, all right, well, this is the moment before everything happened. Um, stop asking me how people are going to be because it hasn't happened. By the way, we went back in time. So none of this happened. So I guess they went back in time and um, the, the the spell did get stopped somehow. Well, We'll 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 find out on the next page. Well, no, because Captain America says right here, "What stopped the spell, Doctor? Do you know?" And Doctor Strange says, "No, Captain America, I fear not. Yeah. Sorry." Uh, twisting the time stream as we done involves dealing with primal forces and the fabric of the universe. Who can say precisely what might be the result? Tinker, bladdy, bladdy, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're fine, aren't we? Jesus. You said you don't know. That's enough. You know how many people died. That are not dead anymore. So they're uh, like, so, so nobody's dead that died. It's all been set back to the way it was. So Celine's um, alive. Spider-Man's alive. Everybody, it's exactly as it was at the end of issue 190. Aurora says it's a pity that Celine couldn't have been made an exception. Left her dead. Professor's like, yo, Doc, Doc Strange, while I got you here, Ileana, she's got some magic. You want to you wanna help her and... Stephen Strange is like, um, no, I can't teach her. She- well, he says, he says basically she knows pretty much as much as I do. There's really nothing I could teach her. Yeah. As far as, as far as magic goes, uh, she needs, she needs enlightenment and growth of spirit, which if she was with me, she probably wouldn't get. Right. I don't know. But it- with you, she might. Yeah. Feels like a cop out to me. So you keep her professor. And Ari Lynn, she's like, hey, I'm still here. Is anybody going to remember this horrible thing that happened? Doctor- she gets a last name. How can they miss Williams since nothing happened? Exactly. So Ari Lynn Williams. Maybe she appears in the next issue of Doctor Strange. I don't know. Well, I mean, you said the whole green uniform and red hair. So one could immediately assume it's Phoenix, but it's not. With a name like Erilyn, you're like, well, is it Madeline? But it's not. So I don't know why or who she is. It's like Chris Claremont wanted to do something with this character and just never did. Or maybe he did, but not in this, in in X-Men comics. Maybe he did it in something else. Or maybe she's a regular character from Doctor Strange that we just don't know about. That could be. Storm wonder. well, after she says, uh, as usual, the X-Men saved the day and nobody will know about it. We're still outcast and persecuted, blah, blah, blah. I wonder what uh, the consequences of our actions uh, are going to be tonight. Have we saved the world or merely delivered it and us to a far more terrible fate? That's when we flash to the beginning of last issue, when Jamie Rodriguez is watching his Watchman with the whole anti-mutant rhetoric going on. And the thug is about to stay up in the back when a pink robot appears out of nowhere. Shoots the assailant in the back, incinerating him. Query. Location. Earth. Zap. <laughs> the the um, thug is able to hit Jamie, not killing him or anything, before he is vaporized by this pink robot guy. And the amulet that has Kulan Goth goes falling into a mud puddle, vanishing uh, from sight. Never to be seen again, yep. unless it is. The robot's like, uh, easy fella, you'll be okay. Well, he has, I feel like he's got two different types of text. I think you're right. He's, I he's think- got his pink text, which is like, I'm a robot, everybody. And then he's got his other text, which is like more smooth. Easy, fella. You'll be okay. I think you're right. I think he's got soothing voice and robot thoughts. Uh, Was that somebody hit me? Don't worry. He won't do it again. 
We see the mutie die on the Dazzler poster underneath the robot's legs. Observation. Anti-mutant sentiment prevalent in this society. Conclusion. If mutants exist, then the true prime programming Nimrod must seek them out and obliterate them. So did Doctor Strange cause Nimrod? I think the time, yeah, inadvertently. I think just tampering with the time stream caused this to happen. Damn you, Dr. Strange! But, Mike, yeah, and this is something I've never understood or uh, known about Nimrod is how he got to where he is. And I guess this is the how. Uh, but was he, and maybe we'll find this out, I don't, honestly don't remember or recall, uh, was he chasing Rachel? Is he from Rachel's time period? Are there many Nimrods? Is it just one Nimrod? Uh, does Chris Claremont not know yet, but he just wanted to introduce a new bad guy and a two-part issue that doesn't matter seemed to be the best way to do it? And... Is Nimrod spelled backwards Dorman? Uh, yeah, but does that mean anything? No, no, I just wanted to know if it was spelled backwards with Dorman. Stay tuned to the answers to these questions and more next maybe. week. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe one of them if we're lucky. Damn it. Yeah, so um, uh, the only thing I like about that issue is... The title? The, well, no, not even really the title. The Spider-Man's Grand uh, Sacrifice. That's it. And the I guess the first appearance of Nimrod, because he's one of my favorite baddies. There was some good art. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Don't get me wrong. I'm just talking, I'm was, talking about was story. A, it was a fun issue. It just uh, didn't really matter. Yep, didn't matter. Could have been an annual. Let's put it that way. Probably should have been an annual, and, and it still could have mattered. It could have been an annual that mattered, but because, I mean, the ultimate takeaway from this is Nimrod. That's true. But uh, two, two full issues to, to do that. Got to see a new side of Valerie Cooper that she's now forgotten about because it never happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, there you go. Um, yeah. We uh we didn't get any emails or anything like that this week, but uh, but that's okay. You could join in on uh, the conversation if you would like to. You can uh, contact us at www.xmenpodcast.com. Visit us at facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us at Danger Room Go and email us, dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. We're available on iTunes. Just go to the little searchy bar and type in Danger Room. We're the first podcast of that name that will pop up. You can subscribe to us, leave us a review, give us some stars, whatever you want to do. And you can leave us a voicemail at 501-GET-X-MEN, which is 501-438-9636. And let us know, well, I let us know about Ari Lynn. Is she somebody? And uh, if you have any insights that are not too spoilerific on Nimrod, well, share those. And uh, if they aren't too spoilerific, you could be featured on an episode of The Danger Room. Tell me about Dazzler, and I'm going to look up Ariel Lynn. <laughs> oh, Dazzler's bad. <laughs> the good news is there's like six issues left, I think. Um, Dazzler needs a new job because she, she, the other, remember she was a waitress last issue and that was way too stressful. Well, she gets a job at a nightclub singing forties tunes. Uh, but the thing about this nightclub is for some reason they can't keep their star talent. They just keep disappearing before opening night. And, uh, it doesn't matter. It turns out that, uh, the piano player who plays at this club is a former actress from the 60s and 70s. She performed in movies uh, very similar to Fred Astaire, those type of dancing, singing movies. But her partner, uh, he wanted to go further because they weren't in big movies. They were in small little pictures. And he wanted to go all the way. And when it wasn't happening, because the girl that was playing piano, she was happy, just, just kind of like, you know, being in love and, and making some money. But he wanted it all. So he left. He disappeared. And nobody would hire her because she didn't have her partner anymore. So she went in to do this piano thing. But, but it turns out that that well dazzler's being pursued by this guy that actually kind of looks like caliban caliban from his first appearance you know he's got like the hat and the scarf thing going on but i just assumed it was caliban it's not but you would be safe in that assumption when you first see the character but that guy is the piano player's ex-husband 
And he has been, he failed when he tried to make it big. And when he discovered that his wife wasn't making it big, she was just doing these little bit parts and playing pianos at nightclubs. He couldn't handle it. He didn't want anybody to see her like this. So that's why he kept abducting women and scaring them so that this club could never open. And nobody would see his uh, poor former movie partner uh, simply playing piano. And uh, Dazzler, you know, she's there too. She's important to the Dazzler issue. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's really about it. I have no idea if she keeps this job or if she quits it as well. Uh, there's a whole new creative staff to Dazzler too, which I'm just wondering, is it like everyone's like, ugh, this Dazzler stuff sucks. We're out of here. It's written by a woman. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is it written? It's scripted by a woman. Isn't, doesn't that mean written? Was there another, like a story person? I don't know. I always feel like there's a difference between writer, scripter, and plotter. But do they list writer or plotter, or is it just scripter? Just scripter. So I would assume that's everything, because usually when they just when they divide it up like that, there's usually other people. I don't know, Adam. I just I I don't know. Maybe it was the Marvel method. Maybe whoever wrote drew that issue just gave it to her, and she's like, oh, "All right, I'll script this thing." I don't know. I don't care. It was a bad issue. <laughs> Moving on. So what did you read, Adam? I read a number of things. Um, I didn't take notes this time, so it might might take a little longer for me to jog my memory. Alpha Flight number 20. Aurora has a totally new 80s outfit, and she spends most of the issue in a bikini. And her boyfriend, who is the Sasquatch guy, gets turned into gold. And he kind of looks like Simon Williams, also known as Wonder Man. I've heard of him. You know, the Dazzler cover really looks familiar for some reason. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like I've seen this, or, or it's like a parody of something, or I don't know. Uh, Defenders 141. So, a while back, the Defenders got attacked by some sort of uh, growing plant thing, and they killed it by freezing it. Okay. Well, it's back. And this time, it's worse than ever. First off, it kills their, uh, I guess he's like a hes like a Defender's roadie, sort of. He just happens to be the guy that repairs their ships, but he's all into like superheroes and stuff. And he thinks, if I keep eating this weird egg drink concoction, maybe I'll get lucky and I'll get mutant powers. And then he gets attacked by a giant plant creature and dies. <laughs> uh, actually, he may not die. He may not be dead. But hes he spends most of the issue in the lab with Beast as Beast tries to figure out what's going on. As this plant thing is taking over Defender's Mansion or whatever it is, Defender's Mountain, I guess. Um, They get attacked by giant rabbits with teeth and fangs. Almost kills their dog, Sassafras. Let's see. There's nothing much of significance here. It's very, this this monster is very Cthulhu-esque. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, not too relevant. Uh, Moon Dragon uh, helps uh, the gargoyle get his hand back and they share a kiss Aww. and uh he he trusts her now oh, that's nice in captain britain number three um Slaymaster has kidnapped captain britain and he drops him off with captain britain's arch enemy whose name i don't think i know madam vixen and uh he says, uh, you can have Captain Britain, but I I just want the costume. And she's like, no way, Slaymaster. I get the costume. Did you really think I was going to give you anything? And so Slaymaster feels all like, oh, I got ripped off. Why did I even do this? So he goes back to rescue Captain Britain, who is being held in a similar to Spider-Man cage. Uh, and then he steals Captain Britain's costume. And then it turns out that the mask, uh, the costume enhances your abilities, but once you put on the mask, because it's attuned only to Captain Britain's head, Captain Britain can now control the person in the suit. Okay. So he now controls Slaymaster, beats the crap out of him, and uh, goes after Madame Vixen, and then gets attacked by a giant blob creature. Tune in next issue. Um, and last but not least, because there's no no New Mutants this week, because the New Mutants issue doesn't take place until after next issue or something. Sure. So we got ROM number 64, uh, which was a pretty decent issue. Um, Forge and 
Rom are in space still, and the uh, the world merge is happening. So the Dire Wraith planet is now uh, fully visible and affecting the uh, gravitational pull of Earth, and it's creating chaos all over the place. And Rom has to go down and help people out all over the world, and he's flying around trying to help people. And then he gets uh, drawn to a cult of church singers, but it turns out that the church singers are actually dire wraiths, and um, I guess that's where it ends. He's trapped by the things. There wasn't a lot of Forge in this one, <laughs> but I, I like this issue. I'm, I'm liking these Forge issues, yeah, even I, though I guess Forge wasn't really in it. I didn't realize that Forge had uh, any presence outside of the X-Men uh, in the Marvel Universe. I may have mentioned it last week, but Forge has built a giant gun that... Uh, absorbs it's 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 in space it's pointed at the earth and rom is going to shoot at it and uh the way that rom's uh gun teleports dire wraiths into limbo um the forge's gun is going to allow rom's gun to envelop the entire earth and kill all the dire wraiths at once but now they're kind of wondering if it's like too late for that since the dire wraiths world is already taking over uh the earth's gravitational pull i don't know what's gonna happen it's kind of exciting yeah sounds crazy it's it's super crazy (laughs) so that's it for this week all right i think (laughs) all right too much got anything else adam no neither do i so megatron Until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name is Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. <laughs>